expanding the Nerdosphere, talking about everything you want to hear. From comics to cosplay, from the cinematic universe to fan films, and everything in between. It's time to get down and nerdy. Here are your hosts, James Witham and Nick Pataglia. Welcome, non-traditional comic book enthusiasts, to episode 69 of Down and Nerdy, where at least one of us is an expert in fireworks safety. Yes, I, I, I live that every day. Actually, every 4th of July is actually a running joke of mine that uh, I am the poster child for fireworks safety. Uh, so, Jason Pierre-Paul, uh, why did you heed my advice, sir? And the one you're hearing wanting the slow piano music to start playing right now (laughs) is the Merc with one arm, Nick Pataglia. The slow piano music? Well, I mean, because I can only reach so many keys. No, slow piano music, you know, like the whole, every year, millions (laughs) of people are injured by fireworks. (laughs) I was one of those people. I was one of those people. (laughs) No, I would be that guy at the end of a bar, like in those movies, like, you know, maybe like a guy loses a girl, like, I remember that time. I lost my arms back in the year. My girl didn't look at me the same way. She likes those ten-digit men. I couldn't look at her either, so I covered my eye. And <laughs> <laughs> in more than one way. <laughs> I'm James Witham. We thank you so much for joining us. And what's going to be our... Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. Well, I introduced you. I we did a little different. Okay, we'll do it the regular the, way. No, I got... Yeah. You, All right, we'll do it the regular way. You can't, um, you can't ignore the great nickname, sir. I'm, I did it. Oh. Do we have to go? Do we have to rewind the tape? Well, just. We don't do instant replays here on this podcast. Maybe we should. Maybe we should. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? That was a great joke. Let's hear it again. I'm the Merkel Warner, Mick Mataglia. Yay! Yay! It's done. So, we are doing our San Diego Comic Con preview show this week. <laughs> we weren't actually planning on doing it. No, but there's so much stuff that's come out. That we kind of need to do it. I mean, preview days today, we're actually recording it on preview days. So we want to let you know that our full recap of San Diego Comic-Con 2015 is going to be on episode 70, which is actually kind of fitting. Nice round number to be excited about all the stuff that come out, came out at Comic-Con. But there was plenty of news that's come out over the course of the week. I know. There's just tons of comic news. A lot of comic news. Big. This has been a big week for indies. Actually, big couple of weeks for indies. I'll uh, we'll get to that later and in the show. And a brand new publisher that's getting into the ranks. Exactly. Big time. Exactly. Also some casting news as well has been announced. Uh, some directing news too. Uh, we're actually going to be reviewing a comic that a fan sent us yes. and gifted to us. Yes, and we thank you. And hey, you know, you want us to review a comic. You're that adamant about it? That's one way to do it. Yeah, we have a Comixology uh, account. You can actually send us, gift us a digital comic if you want. Or if you live in the Virginia Beach area, you want to go check out Bob or Fancy Escape and say, hey, give me three issues of this comic because I want to send two of these guys over down nerdy. Feel free. If you send us a comic, it's not going to be like, oh, thank you, and then we're going to say we're going to read it. We don't. No, you give us a comic. We will read it, and then the next week or that same week, we will review it on the show. And we will give you a shout-out, too, during the uh, What We're Reading segment as well. Yeah, now, if, like, Batman number one comes out the same week, you know, we might not do it then, but we'll get to we'll it get to at it. some point, you know? Like, we're gonna, it's a very interesting comic that we're going to be doing this week, and we'll talk about that and what we're reading. Yeah, and uh, one, of the, one of the topics we're going to talk about, too, is, uh, well, let's just say con etiquette. We'll leave it at that. Yes, there was a giant douche hole that uh, really reared his ugly head, and we'll talk about that controversy and a heck of a lot more. Mr. Robot from USA Network, we're going to talk about that in This Week in Geek Tame Up, but first, you know what it is. Coming up next, we're going to review a comic on what we're reading. It's Down and Nerdy. This is comic book artist Chad Hart, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. 
Well, seeing how it is, episode 69, boys and girls, it's time we pull those extra long boxes. I you know, know what that's right. Ho-ho! Because it's time to discuss what we're reading this week. Of course, this segment always brought to you by the fine folks over at Fantasy Escape Comics and Cards near Argona Boulevard in Virginia Beach. Go see Bob. Check out all his great comics and art and magic cards and everything you can want for your little geek heart. You know what's funny? I would almost be willing to bet money that when you walk through that door, Bob's going to be sitting at the at one of the back tables on his laptop. It actually... And Just saying. That, and he's also playing our podcast, too, which is Yes, cool. he is. And you can always find it on the Fantasy Escape Facebook page, too. Exactly. Uh, so this week, as I mentioned in the intro, or we mentioned in the intro, that we had a, f- a listener and fan gift us and send us a digital comic this week because he wanted us to read it. Of course, our, our fan and listener, Trevor, uh, wanted us to read We Stand on Guard number one from Image Comics, James. Yeah, and it's uh, Brian K. Vaughn did, was the writer, and, and art was by Stephen Score? Scroochie. Scroochie. That, that just doesn't sound right. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, well, it is episode 69 after I'm all. just saying. I mean, I feel bad for that guy. But the art was actually very good. I mean, all kidding aside about about his name, that the art was pretty yeah, good. Yeah, th- I'll say this is, you know, we're not going to go detail, detail, whatever about the story, because uh, I don't want to give too much away. But the art is really, really good. That's a good starting off point. The art is really, really good. Uh, you do see some gruesome injuries in this. In the oh, beginning definitely, of the book, yeah. And they're very detailed. And it's kind of like reading Suicides where it's very detailed, but the art isn't really like that. Though. I know exactly which one you're talking about, too, and I think yeah. it's about, what, five, six pages in? Not even. I think it's like, Something f- like two that. or three. Um, basically, well, the plot, it takes place in futuristic uh, uh, Ottawa, Canada, right? Ottawa, Canada. And uh, something, Ottawa, something big happens between Canada and the United States. Yes. And uh, let's just put it this way. It's, it's one of those scenarios where we always say, oh, there are neighbors to the north. What if they weren't our neighbors to the north? Right, and there's a whole, what was it, like 15 years later kind of aspect? They didn't in really the middle of the book. say. It was just more like, in the future, here's what happens. Let it's me put it this way. Yeah, yeah, then that's exactly the point. It's, it's the characters growing up, so it's definitely, it definitely takes place someplace in the future. Now, it was visually, the, the comic was visually striking. You, you do get a sense of the fact that you are in Canada. Yeah. You were in the Great White North. I oh, mean, yeah. You get that. Uh, the futuristic, some of the uh, weapons, I guess you could call them. Yeah. I, again, we don't really want to give it away because these are crucial plot points that we don't want to give away if you want to read this book. Uh, some of the weapons, very futuristic, and there's some surprises that are involved in that as well, especially towards the end of what was a 50, uh, what was a 40-page monster first issue for this comic. Exactly. And that's the thing is I want, I want to talk about that. We mentioned that it's 40 pages deep, but I felt that reading this comic, I felt that there actually was some parts in this comic where, actually for the most part, it felt rushed. It felt like uh, another pitfall from a previous comic I talked about. I can't think of the name right now, but I talked about how it feels rushed. Like they're just rushing into certain scenarios. Uh, I, feel, I felt like, you know, when you fast forward or whatever into the future, I felt like Vaughn actually expected people to know what happened and yeah, why see, that happened. was just it. And they kind of gloss over a big plot point yeah. in that transitional period. And they just kind of say, oh, well, this is what happened. This is why I'm here. We don't really get any information on that. Now, I know you could say, well, I'm sure they'll get into that in future issues. You need to grab me in issue one, though. Yeah. So I need some sort of... I know we say we hate it when they cut away from stuff. This was one of those times where it's like, we, you need to be in two places at once. Well, not only once. that, but I kind of wish that, yes, what happens between U.S. and Canada beginning is very shocking. 
But there's no build-up. I mean, it happens abruptly. It really does no happen abruptly. there's no aftermath of that. You know what I'm saying? It just fast-forwards immediately into the future. Yeah. And certain things have happened, and that's it. And again, I know we'll probably get there. We'll get more flashbacks and stuff like that yeah. and scenarios. Um, but the thing is, it's just, like I said, the writing just felt like they were just pushing it way too fast. Like, like you know, come on, let's go. Let's go. Action, action, action. We need action. Not enough background. Well, Especially for a first issue, you want that background. You know, you want to set up those characters in a sense. Think about it, too, though. There was a whole, what, four or five pages where it was just art. It was just art. It was just action, and that was it. And that's fine because, the, you know, that's part of telling the story, too. But that was a lot more than I expected. But the thing is, too, is, okay, going back to The Wake. Like the comic, the wake, it felt like that where the, she, the, the woman in the wake, goes uh, to that bunker and she like knows everybody. You're like, wait, who, how do you know these people? Mm-hmm. It's just you don't talk about this. Mm-hmm. It's like where this one, the girl's more kind of a loner, and it's kind of like, well, wait a minute. You felt like you know these people for like a longer time. You're just ama- immediately a team. Like when I read Outcast from Image, yeah, they painted the picture so well of who everybody was, why there's tension there, yeah, why he's not with his family anymore, kind of thing. And you you get step by step what what what's going on. And I totally understand what you're saying. And there was a shocking point in this issue, but it's one of those times where you wanted to care, yeah. But you kind of, you know what I'm talking about. You I wanted exactly to care, but you kind of couldn't because there was no real development yeah. other than like a one few panel story about whoever this who this person was. <laughs> yeah. And then all of a sudden something happens. It's like, well, okay. Yeah, and I, I think that here's the thing is that too. Of and the thing is about this, of course, it takes place in Ottawa, Ontario. So of course, part of the comic, actually, the word bubbles. There's two separate word bubbles. It's kind of like you look at a Shakespeare book. And one page is Shakespearean, liter- you know, written, and the other one is written in modern English. Where this one is, one side of the word bubble is written in English, and the other side is the same exact thing, just written in French. Right. And, she, and there's actually a joke in the comic where the, where the girl says your French, French sucks. sucks. Which, I mean, I wouldn't know. I don't speak French. But, I mean, overall, I mean, it may, might seem that like we're critical of this book, but I did enjoy it, and it did keep my interest. So, I mean, like you said, it did feel rushed at points, but I do feel that there are points where there was a lot of strong things going on. Yeah. And, again, we don't want to go into great detail because we want you to experience this for yourself. We don't want to ruin it for you if you want to go, ha- go on out and read it. And i got to be honest, I noticed this book uh, in the preview issue, mm. and it – Pique my interest. So, does it pique your interest enough to maybe want to continue? It, okay, well, the writing, I said, it, it's very fast-paced. However, I do think maybe we'll get more build-up, maybe some more background, some more flashback. I think we're maybe going to see, kind of like we see on TV with Arrow, where we're going to get regular story, then there may be five or six pages of background story of what happened and why it happened in, in the main arc. Um, for me, it's a pickup only because I would give it three issues, and then that's it. It didn't make me want to go out and get issue number two, but it's just one of those things where maybe, like, okay, maybe... It's one of those things where you're more hopeful yeah. than, I want to not say willing, but you're just excited. You're more hopeful than you are excited about issue two See, and, and, and forward. I, I feel similar to what you would say. I would also say this is a pickup for me. It's one of those times where if I went up to Bob's and I had a light pull... yeah. And I saw it there. If it was in my field of vision, I would say, you know what? Maybe I pick up issue number two. Exactly. Because it's not going to be a supersized issue either. You know that coming up right off the bat. I don't know if this is a limited series or if this is supposed to be a regular run. I don't know what it is, but reading this in digital form as we did, it felt like 
even though it was 40 pages, if I read a lot faster than if yeah. it was a physical well, I, copy. That's what I was saying when we were talking about the digital stuff. I was able to blow through all those comics on my on my Kindle from Amazon, which you can also get at our Amazon store that you can yep. find through our Facebook page. Um, it if For some reason, it's faster. I don't know why it's faster, but it is. And again, we want to thank Trevor for sending us We Stand on Guard, number one. Of course, it's from Image Comics. We both said it's a pickup, so give it you know, our standard three-issue rule. Uh, but coming up next, we're going to talk about James's biopic, Mr. Robot. Stay tuned. Hey, what's up? This is Brandon Chap Robinson, the director of the Harley Quinn web series, and you're listening to the coolest nerds ever on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Well, it's time to fire up those Linux machines because we're going to be talking about Mr. Robot and Hackers Galore. And Nick, this was a show that intrigued me from the very beginning. Well, it's your biopic, pretty much. It kind of is. I mean, when I saw them working with Unix yeah. and I saw the server farms, I'm like, you know, as a computer For, scientist, that's what my degree <laughs> well, is that's in. That's the thing. For people who don't know, if you go on our, on our uh, website, donnerdypodcast.com, you read our bios, James, under his, says, you know, he has his degree in computer science and everything else. And so I saw this. I'm like, this is James's version of his social network. This is your version of your social network. I'm going to kind of out myself a little bit right now, and I'm going to give you a peek behind the curtain because I think this is a kind of an interesting story, and I'll keep it short. This, there is a lot of hacking involved in this in this yeah. show, but we'll get to that a little bit later on. I, I can't say that I'm totally innocent. When I was in college... You used LimeWire, didn't you? I, n- no. Worse. Uh, when I was in college, we would go to the computer labs that were specifically for computer science students to get uh, their work done. So you do your coding and everything like that for your projects. Well, there were times where you needed to print your work, and the labs were full sometimes, and you needed to get your stuff printed and get out. You know so, what I mean? So I'm, I'm going to guess, you printed pictures of big dicks and just painted them and plastered them across all the dorm halls. Not you? quite that bad, although I'm not sure how I'm not sure if that wouldn't have gone unnoticed. <laughs> <laughs> Why is this with them kid hanging pictures of dicks around the dorm? What I did was I hacked into the printer queue, moved everybody else's shit down, <laughs> and moved my stuff up and my friend's stuff. So people were looking at us like, Why is their stuff printing? I've just, been here for fifteen minutes. But not just that. I'm just saying like that one guy or girl who had a term paper due at, like, 2 o'clock, and they print shit out, like, 158. Yep. And, <laughs> and your stuff prints, and they got, like, an F. They were locked out of their classroom because you just had to print out something before I, them and hack I the system. I hacked the printer queue, and I moved my stuff up, and I make no apologies <laughs> for it. And that's not against the honor code either, so there you go. Oh, Jesus. But, uh, no, this was just such a cool show for me, and I like the fact that uh, Rami Malik, who plays Elliot on the show, mm-hmm. The whole internal struggle and the internal monologue makes this show. It does. It, it, in the beginning of the show, it's pretty much you hear voiceover, and it's Rami Malek, who plays Elliot, and he's talking about, like, in his head kind of thing, and he breaks the fourth wall in a sense. He says, well, who am I talking to? You guys are not even here. You're in my head. Mm-hmm. And so he breaks that fourth wall, and, again, it felt really pretty much like uh, a mixture of a few things. It felt like a mixture of uh, a Fight Club, because you had an inner I monologue. was mentioning that to my I wife, am, actually. You know, yeah. I am Jack's inner thoughts. Mm-hmm. I am this kind of thing. Uh, you know, Tyler Durden-esque thing where he's maybe having these visions and seeing things that maybe aren't there uh, or some scenarios. Uh, I saw certain things that maybe the movie wanted a little bit as well. And uh, uh, conspiracy theory, Mel Gibson's conspiracy theory as well. And also the video game Watch Dogs, too, where you had to hack everything and set everything up. Yeah, I could see where you're going with but that. But let's talk about... 
Christian Slater, who plays Mr. Robot, who of course is the title character in this, he is very much, at first you see him, he's like this bum, and you're like, okay, what is he? But then you figure, and, and this is what's so great about this show, it makes you, the audience, question everything. Yeah, it does, because it's like, whose side do I really want to be Not on Not just right that, now? but is he a real guy? Yeah. Is Mr. Robot a real thing? Because remember, there's a scene in the show, or in the first episode, I believe, where he goes back to their lair, per se. And, and nobody's says, there. Nobody's there. Mm-hmm. There's no lights on, no Mr. Robot, no computers. And then, remember, they're suddenly there yeah. again after that. And it's because somebody went and got him. Now, here's the question. Is it not just Mr. Robot that isn't real? Is it everybody that's in that group are different personalities inside his own head? Right, because you see things where, you know, he's talking to the psychiatrist and she says, are the men in the suits or the men in black back, you mm-hmm. know, and, and in the, meeting these people in these suits you see. And remember, he's taking morphine and yep. chasing it with levelers. Levelers. So, I mean, there there's a little something going on there too, but... The other thing I loved about this show is when his, I guess, quote-unquote drug dealer yeah. says, I tried to find you on Facebook, and he says, I hate Facebook. And they actually show you Facebook. on the show where this is how he's getting all the information on these people, and he's literally showing you how you can track somebody down yeah. on Facebook and destroy their life systematically. Because, of course, the uh, therapist's boyfriend was cheating on her with various women, Basically got her to leave well, him, plus leave he was her married there alone. Too. Yeah, so, I mean... And not just that, but there's a guy, there's a scene, I don't want to ruin it because it's right, I mean, it's right in the beginning, but it's kind of a pivotal scene, mm. where he's talking to this guy who's done something very, very illegal, and he's like, I know your real name, I know this mm-hmm. on you, and this and this and this, and yep. he's like, it's never about, I'll pay you whatever, it's, like, it's never about money, and then the cops show up, mm-hmm. and it's just one of those things where it's like, when I was watching, I was like, okay, please at least show us some hacking. Don't just let it be like, I caught you, da 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 he, They show us him typing in code. They show him doing everything else. That was some serious Unix code that he's typing in, too. Let yeah. me tell you that right now. But I also love the fact that there is a love story in this show, but it's so in the background. Oh, yeah. That they're doing it brilliantly. The way that they're... And then you've got this whole other scene with the other love interest of the of the main female character... Some stuff's going on with him, too. And I think the person that he's potentially involved with in this little triangle yeah. might be more to meets the eye there. I don't yeah. think it's just a simple uh, affair kind of thing. I think that there's more I going on I just want to there. point out that James Witham pointed out and said the phrase, more meets the eye, to a show that talks about Mr. Robot. Yes, I did do that, didn't I? Yes. And not even on purpose. Not it, on they, purpose. They're involuntary. No, but uh, uh, I, I think the thing is this with the show is that there's a lot, of, and again, we want to say it's on the USA Network as well. Uh, Was it, Wednesdays at 10? Wednesdays at 10. And the thing is, I want to go back to Mr. Robot, Christian Schlater's character. There's so much. You want to talk about influence and whose character is influenced? He's Rachel Ghoul. He really this. is. I mean, in episode two, of course, episode three aired tonight, episode two, there's a scene where he basically tells him that he wants to kill... Nuts and bolts of it is he wants him to kill a bunch of people. Yeah. And Elliot's struggling with whether or not he wants to be a part of something that does that. And again, going back to the Fight Club reference, it's very Project Mayhem, Mm -hmm. where... And we'll say what it is. You know, he pretty much, as most hackers do, they want to alleviate the debt of everybody. And so what he has them do is say, if you do this thing, yes, you're going to kill people. But think of how many... 
lives are going to change. There's no more student loans, no more debt. That's what Project Mayhem and Fight Club, the film, was, and even in the in the book. And it's just like Raish, where he really gets inside your head. Like he did the whole, tell me about your dad. Yeah. Thing, and he really gets inside his head. And then he made him pay for walking away kind of thing as well. I also so. I want to point out, too, because I watched this on Hulu, and... The amount of language and just nudity in general. Oh, yeah. Wow. Today's day, oh, you, can get, you, serious, can, you yeah. can get away with a lot. I'm not criticizing it. It's great because it's more freedom. It's the human body. You know, we should celebrate it. But it's. I think we're getting to that point now where with stuff like Hulu and Netflix and, and original programming from them, cable companies need to be able to say, hey, we got to show more stuff. we got to be able to say more things. After 10 o'clock, I think all bets are off. Oh, yeah. And I think that's that's a good thing. And this show, one of the things I love about this show so much, it makes no apologies for what it is. No. And and it just, it's it's a very much show that says, you know what, here's what we are, here's what we're about, here's what we're doing, watch us, don't watch us, we don't care because we're doing something innovative. Well, the thing too about this is that unlike a lot of hacker films, they like Swordfish and stuff like that, they, again, as you say, unapologetically show the nuts and bolts of how to hack. Now, we don't know how true it is or not, I mean, to, you know, and what they're doing, all the code they're typing. It's it's pretty close. It's pretty close. It's pretty darn close, but, I'll say that. But the thing is, is that... I love that it's set in the real world. For example, Facebook exists. McDonald's, Burger King, all that stuff exists. I love that Evil Corp is actually called Evil Corp, and it's the Enron logo. And it's the Enron, exactly. <laughs> and that's the thing, too, is that you got these main antagonists. And, and that's another evil. struggle that we haven't even talked about yet. Yeah. And so anyways, there's pretty much uh, this corporation called E-Corp, which, in a sense, I'm sorry. I know Steve Jobs was referenced in it. I think it's Apple or some sort of... I actually thought it was a mixture of Enron and Bank of America. Really? Yeah, that's what I got. Well, I could see I, why you'd get the well, Apple because, reference. Well, bec- well, only because or like some sort of tech company that they're covering mm-hmm. for they can't say because it says they're everywhere. Like they make computers, they make cell phones, mm-hmm. everything. Kind of, you know. And, and notice too, when he's talking to like his boss and everything else, they're saying Evil Corp. They're not yeah. saying E-Corp. Not yeah. once anybody said E-Corp. They're saying Evil Corp. Yeah, and it's funny because I think that's another brilliant part about the show. They're making you wonder what company it could be. Yeah. You know, who are they modeling this after? Obviously, they're modeling it after somebody. That's the br- one of the brilliant things about the show. Whatever you have in your mind, it could be that company. And again, going back to the whole Evil Corp thing, you look at that, and it's just, again, you picture, what could that be? And it's it's whole Evil Corp, and... and it's just brilliant because it's it's it makes you wonder, but also it kind of makes you think, dude, this is just. I mean, you look at today's economy and just the way that things are going, and it's just this is a show that we need. I think it's eye-opening, is what it is. Yeah. And one of the things I, one of the other things I love about this show is that there's so many struggles for Elliot. He's got so many things going in different directions. He could be a schizophrenic. He really could. I mean, he's got the whole thing with his therapist. He's got the whole, do I want to be part of this project or not? He's got his own job. He's got this girl he's chasing after. And now he's got a struggle with, do I join Evil Corp? Yeah. Or do I not kind of thing? So there's just so much going on and you can see him Right on the edge of losing it so much in the show. And he actually does in a therapy session for for a minute. Yep. But it's the way he loses it. And what's great is before we give our, our quote-unquote ratings on this, uh, there's a scene where he's in the therapist's office, and she's asking, like, what's wrong? You're not saying anything. And the, this is great camera work. 
everything he says in his complaint or his his diatribes that he does, they hit the camera. Like he talks like you know just like the Hunger Games. It shows a Hunger Games book, and he's like it's like his eyes are hitting everything to make these false correlations. Mm. But in the end, it's like okay, is he saying that to get his therapist off his ass? Or is he really connecting the dots here and making something into a bigger picture? Is every is it to where everything's connected? The therapist is connected to Evil Corp. Everything is, is it like the Truman Show where everything is just combined into this one entity? It's just I mean, as far as my rating goes, I'm watching the hell out of this show. I'm going to continue to watch the hell out of this yeah. show. I mean, it, like you said, it's one of those shows that we need right now, and I think that it's so hard to be innovative right now. And I know that we've compared it to other things. It's so hard to be innovative right now, but this show so feels innovative. Yeah. And it's such a breath of fresh air, especially in a, in the summer where there, should, where there should be nothing. Yeah. This show, to me, really stands out. For me, this show really does stand out. The writing is great. This is a show that I watched on my, on my laptop, and I was literally, I, I couldn't get up and not pause it. It was one of those. It's one of yeah, those shows. Yeah, you couldn't walk away. You can't walk away. Part of it is because it's such a good writing, but part of it is also because it deals with hacking, and you kind of want like the scenes where he's just typing in code and hacking stuff, going screen to screen and reading emails and everything else. It's so interesting. And the scenes where he's actually battling against another hacker yes! and the race against the clock stuff is unbelievable. It's funny. My wife and I were watching this together, and there were times where I had to pause it because I could see that look like, what is he doing? And I'm explain- I am explain it to her. We're like, okay, he's moving this over here, and this is how he's fighting. <laughs> it's, it's kind and of like... she goes, oh, okay, play. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like when you mentioned, like, oh, he's moving this here. It's kind of like trying to undo a bra for the first time. It's just, this is moving here. This is going here. I got... What do I do with my hands? I got to type so fast. I don't know what I'm doing anymore. Some of us just have natural skills. Yes. We all can't be gifted and have two hands like you, sir. Well, you know, that's... You know, you can do one But again, this for me is a 10 out of 10 that they blew out of the park. Christian Slater's great. Rami Malek is great. Everybody is fantastic in this show. And that's going to do it for our review of Mr. Robot. But coming up next, so much nerd news to talk about. That's coming up next on Down Nerdy. Hi, this is Katrina Law from Arrow, and you are listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast with James Witham and Nick Battaglia. Well, it's that time, nerds. We go around the internet and see what's trending, because it's time for what, James? Nerd News! And for our first story, uh, Han Solo is getting his own movie. Yeah, and it looks like it's going to be from the Lego Movie directors Phil Lord and Chris Miller, and they're going to be doing their... Part of the Star Wars anthology that looks like we're going to be coming out, and we saw a leaked photo that has been coming out. Maybe we know there's going to be an Obi-Wan Kenobi, and it's going to be Fett Solo. Yeah. And there's going to be, of course, uh, Rogue One. So in between the episodes 7, 8, and 9. Exactly. And the thing is with this is that if it's going to be a Han Solo solo film, uh, it, it may make sense to have Boba Fett be part of it because he was the main guy looking for him and everything else and they had that history you know where they were close and see what happened you know solo turned his way on fat and then that mm-hmm. caused the rift uh it'd be great to see that uh my thing is this i mean phil lord and chris miller they did 21 jump street as well there this is gonna be a really well-written film it's gonna be i think really really good since star wars has been bought by disney disney's been hitting it out of the park in terms of directors like who they want to get to direct their films and my thing is this is yes they, they have, I believe they had the one guy who is I can't think of his name but he directed Godzilla like, yeah I'm kind of eerie about Gareth that. Edwards Gareth Edwards I'm very eerie about that yeah I mean I understand that but now again the first movie hasn't even come out yet right so I think that 
it's easy to be excited, and I am, but we almost kind of have to reserve judgment on how Disney's doing until Force Awakens comes right. out in and December. Lawrence Kasdan and John Kasdan uh, were going to pen the script. Uh, they're both... Well, actually, Lawrence, Lawrence is known for writing the other Star Wars entries, including Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, and he's also uh, wrote... Force Awakens. And that's what you want. You want somebody with legitimate background and somebody that knows the characters. Yes. Somebody that knows the characters well to be able to do Part this. Army thinks that as much as I really wish that it's not just within the small same universe of Jedi's and Solos, this whole entity, I wish they would maybe expand upon that. Um, I think maybe this is why they're doing this first, where the gang is saying, let's bring the gang back together, let's kind of do movies around these kind of uh, characters, because you, you want to be able to get these guys in there who you know co-wrote some of the original trilogy and get them in and help them move things forward and get away as far away from the prequels as you can. Exactly, and I think that that's what they want to do. And I think that if anybody has been reading the Star Wars runs and yep. the Darth Vader run, if you're not, go to Bob's of Fantasy Escape Comics and Cards of Virginia Beach and pick those up because I think that gives me hope more than anything else that they're going to be able to get the movies that's right. Because if Marvel and Disney seem to be able to be do to be able to do that properly. That's kind of what makes me think. Okay, they're going to do okay with this. I would love to see a Lando Calrissian movie because we well, got the, we got the comic, which was our pick of the week this week. Remember how Han got the Millennium Falcon in the first place? This yeah. could tie in. Yeah, Lando could easily tie into that Han Solo movie. Exactly. Easily. Exactly. And so I'm more excited about that. But then moving on to more TV, going to net, the uh, Netflix realm. Marvel and Netflix have found their Electra. Yeah, and it's going to be... Elodie Young. There we go. Just save me from that. <laughs> I will. Uh, yeah, she's going to be in season two of Daredevil. Uh, she was in... Her past credits include G.I. Joe Retaliation, District 13 Ultimatum. Not great films, but you can't fault it for that. Well, I mean, I think for G.I. Joe Retaliation, you point at that and say, well, there's your there's your answer right there. Is she going to be able to pull this off? Right. Um, you know, <laughs> the thing is, too, is season two, they just started... Filming it, which I'm surprised they've already started. Well, they set. Well, remember though, they did set the release to the next year, so they kind of got. The I know it's ambitious. It just seems like they're like, oh, they're right back but, on the horse. Well, I think awesome. about, was it two weeks ago? John Bernthal got cast as Punisher. Yeah. So it's kind of like, who's reading comics, by the way? Yes, which is fantastic. But my thing is this: like, I'm excited about this because we might get the love story. We're gonna get the whole. Because remember, she was referenced in the flashback. Mm-hmm. You know, there was just, she was quote unquote that Greek girl that that yep. Foggy told talked yep. to Matt about, and it's just one of those things where I want to see a dynamic on screen. And I don't think they're going to bring her in right away. No, I don't think it's going to be in the first couple of episodes. I maybe mid season. Yeah, I'm thinking, or maybe after the Punisher gets introduced, then she kind of comes in and kind of calms him down, kind of thing. Or maybe teams up with Daredevil. Yeah, maybe that's maybe it's a necessity. Maybe it is. A my necessity. thing is this. Here's one thing with the Punisher. Remember. You saw the picture of the Daredevil logo with the bolt holes in it. I think Wilson Fisk hires the Punisher. It could very well be. And that's something he could easily do from prison. Now, are we going to see maybe a turn from the Punisher at some point? Yeah. I, I know that that's you know, in the future, but how quickly in the future is that going to happen? So I'm very interested to see where Daredevil is going to go in Season 2. Will Nobu live, too? I need to know this. <laughs> yes. If I, see, if I see anything that Peter Shinkoda is in New York, yeah. we're going to find out. Well, he's hanging out with Marvel a lot. Peter Shinkoda, yeah. of course, plays Nobu. He's actually a good friend Just of ours, too. Just saying, Peter, if yeah. you're listening. From a friend to a friend. We, we need to know. <laughs> so you, if you know anything on the QT, you just let us know. We'll let our listeners well, we know. Well, we have his... his 
information. Yes, so, I mean, we, well, we just I mean, he, I'm guessing he's listening right now. So I'm just saying, <laughs> you know, you know, you know how to get in touch with us. Exactly. And then another casting news in the Marvel universe. Uh, they actually released today of breaking news. Uh, Marissa Tomei gets cast as Aunt May in the Spider-Man reboot. Say can that I, ten times fast. Can I just say that? Every time they cast Aunt May, <laughs> she gets younger and younger. It's the curious case of May Parker. I mean, how is this even possible? Every reboot, you get the older Aunt May, then you get the Sally Field Aunt May, and then you get Marissa Tomei's Aunt May, and it's just, again, it's the curious case of Aunt May, where she's just getting younger. The, the reboots for Spider-Man must be like the fountain of youth. I'm telling you right now, if they reboot this again in a few years, Maisie Williams is going to be Aunt May. Because <laughs> that's, that's where they're going with it. I'm sorry. But is she going to pull up in a Buick Skylark, you think? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Aunt May is going to ride up in the Buick power Skylark. Power wheels. She's going to pull up in the power wheels. Only you, Peter. Only you. Yeah, oh my god. But I think But I mean she, she's won an Oscar. So I mean yeah. say what you want about the the role she won it but for. But yeah, the thing about this too, I was talking to a friend of mine, I'm like, Yeah, I remember too. Like how weird is it saying I've seen Aunt May naked? That that is a little weird. <laughs> I've seen her not only that, but shack up at whiplash. That 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 is a <laughs> little wrestler. weird. Yeah, that that is a little weird, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, the wrestler thing, that was yeah, yeah that was a little weird. <laughs> yeah. It was a good movie, don't get me wrong. I was just yeah, it knowing now what we do, it's it's a little quick. But really quickly before we went on to our next story, so far with this casting, we got Tom Holland as Peter Parker and Spider Man, we got Aunt May, you know, Mercer Tome is gonna play the character. Uh, do you think at any point they might cast a Ben Parker? Of course, it takes place in the f- in more where Spider-Man's already there. Maybe we'll s- just to have like a picture up there, so it's not just some random grip. I kind of hope they don't, because I feel the same way about Spider-Man that I feel about Batman. I don't need to see it again. Yeah, you know, I don't need the origin over. Get just get to the point. And I think the DC is going to do that. With with Batman, I think we'll get a flash of what happened to his parents, but mm-hmm. I don't think we're gonna get full on. So picture on the wall, maybe I'd be okay with that. I don't even care who it is. Yeah, maybe it's Michael J. Fox. I don't know. I mean, if you're gonna cast Marissa Tomei as well, Aunt May, well, well, yeah. And I think the thing is too is you you know it makes sense. I can't wait for. It. I'm actually excited about. Oh, I'm about super this. excited. Because yeah. again, as much as I we've beaten the crap out of Marvel lately for their films and how Phase Two or Three or whatever phase it is. Well, I've enjoyed it more than you have. Right, but, but still, I see your point. But I'm I'm glad that hey, there might, we might finally get a chance to see Spider-Man done right. Uh, and speaking of, we're gonna go to back to the TV realm for a little bit and talk a little bit about indies because you know Ron Perlman had the whole Hellboy thing. We talked about that, like what's right. gonna happen with that and. Well, Dark Horse Entertainment Universal Cable Productions actually has signed a first-look deal to develop and produce scripted programming based on Dark Horse's expansive comic book library, along with some new properties. They actually announced this on Tuesday. Why did I bring up Hellboy? Because, you know, if it never gets to the big screen, here you go. Yeah, and I mean, think about it. You've got the Umbrella Academy. you got Backup. you got Concrete and our good buddy Cullen Bunn, Harrow County, which I'm reading right now, and I was thinking about it, like, you could easily do a series from Harrow County. Here's my only concern with this, though. Yeah. Think about who we're talking about. Okay. This is Universal Cable Productions. It's NBC. NBC yeah. Universal. NBC, who gave up on Constantine here's a question. very quickly. Now, here's a question. I just saw this. Do you think one of the reasons they got rid of Constantine was because this deal might have gone and started negotiations for this? Maybe. And what? how much of a left turn is this now going to be for the sci-fi channel, where a lot of these properties will probably end up? I, I, I don't know. I mean, the thing is, like, like Harold Kahn I'm looking forward to. I don't know much about Concrete and the other 
Umbrella Academy is from uh, actually the guys from My Chemical Romance. Oh, I that's just right. Created yeah. that. Yeah. So I mean, there's some interesting concepts there, and I don't think by any means those. I mean, that's just the first four. Right. But what I'm saying is that Dark Horse has such an expansive. You know, library. They do, they do, and I think that this is a big step for them. Who I knows? Think... Maybe we'll see. Like, I know it's it's it really its own entity, but you know, did the aliens fire and ice? So maybe we'll see something like that. I mean, how much control do they have over that? We don't know, but you're right. I mean, that's something that we, it could actually happen. And plus, I want to bring up too that we're in this age right now where you have these these smaller publishers, where you know a lot of properties now, shows, movies are being pretty much picked up off of comic book shelves, and referencing comic books and everything else and graphic novels. This is a great time for indies. And we'll get into our main topic and talk more about indie comics and stuff like that. But uh, this is a great time. If you're an indie comic, you say, I want to get on TV. How can I do it? You can do it now. It's you got to strike while the iron's hot now. Yeah. And I think a lot of these companies are realizing that. Valiant's realized it when they announced their film slate. And now Dark Horse is realizing that by announcing their TV slate. And I think it's smart that they're doing it this way. And the final thing I'm going to say about this is it's smart by Dark Horse. Because, you know, they only have a superhero. Right. It's, it's all original content for the most part. Right. And it's more darker and stuff like that. But and it's really set up perfectly because this whole market right now is all superheroes. And you get this original content coming in. It's great. And I will point out, too, that these are mostly creator-owned properties. Yes. Which is great for the artists, the writers. That and you know, It's not just writers that are going to benefit from this. Artists, too, because they are part of, like Fabian Nicieza, didn't draw Deadpool, but he helped create the character. He was the writer. Yeah. So he created that personality. So in this case, it actually works the opposite, where artists have to help create the looks for these characters, and that means all the difference in the world to get the right writer-artist combination. So the artists are going to benefit from this just as much as the writers will. Exactly. So that's going to do it for Neuro News. Next, we have more news we're going to talk about. It's going to be our SDCC pre-show. You won't want to miss that. Main topic coming up next right here on Down Nerdy. Hey, I'm Chloe Dextra, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Well, is this the year that comics come back to cons? Judging by what's happened before SDCC and on Preview Day, Nick, it just might be. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, you, you go to Bob's or a Fancyscape, and he has the plethora of comics, just truckloads and truckloads. You ever wonder sometimes if maybe if Bob, on a Tuesday night, has like this big Mayflower truck come in and just back it up, like, kind of like a, a dump truck, just... All these comics just come piling out. I think that's exactly what it is. Of course, this is our San Diego Comic-Con 2015 preview show. We gave you the entertainment stuff that we had a few minutes ago. Now we're going to dive right in to the comic stuff. And Nick, when I saw this story (laughs) on a Wednesday morning, it was everything I could do not to just fly right through the roof at 88 miles an hour. (laughs) Well, my erection went up at 88 miles an hour. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. and we're talking about, of course... IEW announcing that they're doing a Back to the Future comic series. And, of course, not only that, but Bob Gale is going to be overseeing the production See, as well. the second I saw that, uh, any worries that I might have even had went right away. <laughs> yeah. They went right away. And they gave you a nice little preview of the art there. IDW posted the story on their Facebook page. And they gave us a little preview of what the art's going to look like. Fantastic yeah. looking art. And, I mean, it's going to be legit. I, they didn't release really any information on what the story was going to be mm-hmm. or uh, where they were going to go with it. Is this going to take place in between a certain time between the movies or anything like that? I don't even know if I care. They, I think I've read some more. Like They had like, an interview with Gail later on in the article. And he was kind of saying, like, you know, scenes, certain scenes may be recreated. We might see stuff like that. Uh, and the thing with Gail is that, you know, he's written Daredevil. He's written Amazing Spider-Man comics in the past. But he's not going to be 
taking the entire writing chores right. on his own shoulders. He's going to have some help. He's actually heading up a team that includes IDW veterans like John Barber, who does Transformers, and Eric Burnham, who does Ghostbusters. And, again, it's kind of cool seeing these big, major projects like Back to the Future, Transformers, and Ghostbusters kind of combined, in a sense, mm-hmm. in one form or another, where it's more from the creative standpoint. I'm excited about this, and it's coming out in October as well. Uh, I don't even know series. if I can wait. I don't know. I don't know what I have to do yeah. to get us an advanced copy of this, or at least the first issue. I, I need this now because, honestly, I didn't even think this was a possibility. Yeah, I really didn't, and I know that they'll never do a sequel, especially after what Robert Zemeckis said. And I do not think they should ever do a sequel, reboot it, nothing. But this is something now, and yeah. this is something that feels safe. In this is sense, like the safe world. I'm not going to lie. In a sense, I think this is um, Gale and Zemeckis' way. Because Zemeckis isn't really – he's not involved in it. Gale is more involved right. in it. Because they asked, like, don't you tell Robert about it? He says, no. He says, I want him to find out about the comics the same way everybody else is when he picks up the first <laughs> issue pretty well, much. Well, I, then I can't wait for Zemeckis to come out with his but I th- Well, no, but I think that this, for in a sense, I don't think Gale would have done this without oh, Zemeckis no, 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 signing no, no. off in if a he sense. Didn't think it was, if he didn't think it was going to be okay, I don't think he would have done it. And I think this is really more of a big fuck you to the movie studios because, like, hey, we have our own comics. You're not going to alter it with your wants of a reboot or anything else. You know, because we, we, we covered the Zemeckis story last week where he mm-hmm. talked about how he put his foot down saying we're not going to do it until, you know, not gonna, we're not ever going to be a reboot or sequel until Bob and I are dead kind of thing. You know? and, and the temptation's there. I totally get it because we all love Back to the Future. It's got a special place in my heart for sure. Yep. Uh, but I don't want to see it tarnished. I really don't. This is, this is a big one for me. I don't want to see it tarnished. So I'm glad that we're going to get a comic. At least I think it's going to be a four-issue run. I think they said... Maybe it ends up going longer, I don't know. But what we're seeing, Nick, now is a major... We kind of had an idea of Aftershock was going to jump in as a new publisher. What I didn't realize is that they were going to jump in like this. I can't believe some of the names that they've got. It's kind of like in Rodney Dangerfield and Back to School where he nails, was it, the Triple Lindy? Yeah. They did a Triple Lindy right into the pool. Uh, Because, why do we say this? Because, again, this company launched in April and already announced its first round created hires. Sit down and buckle in, kids, because the names I'm about to reel off are going to be amazing. You have Neil Gaiman is leading it off. He's going to contribute to a short story anthology. Uh, he's joined by veteran creators Garth Ennis, Jimmy Palmiotti, Amanda Connor, Paul Jenkins, and Phil Hester, along with uh, Justin Jordan, Marjorie Bennett, and Frank Barbary. And now, here's the thing, too, is although Connor and Hester are artists as well as writers, Aftershock has not announced the artist's involve his projects. So these are the writers you have. Yeah. I'm pumped. We barely even scratched the surface yeah. of what they have. Now, what was shocking to me was that they were able to grab such huge yeah. names right off the jump. So what that tells me, especially with um, Jimmy Palmiotti, Amanda Connor, people like that, Garth Ennis, and Neil Gaiman, those are some big, big names that you know. And though I'm going to single those people out. I know how busy, I know from personal experience, how busy Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda Connor are. Oh, yeah, we both do. So for them to attach themselves to this company, they need to really <laughs> believe that what they're getting involved in is going to be a huge winner. Well, not just that, but it's, uh, so I think it's more of something special. Because here's the thing. Uh, there are a couple questions I want to ask you, actually, too. Uh, first of all, before I get into the questions, I think we're seeing this age now where... We're going to start seeing these artists and writers leave the big two and start their own production companies and publishing companies because 
they want original characters. I think they want to create original stories where not a lot is being reboots and stuff like that and redoings of certain characters. I think that people are like, you know, like game and everything else and saying, you know what, we want some original content. Let's, let's, we're yearning for this. Let's do this. I think what's, what's interesting is, is that you're seeing DC and Marvel sort of allow these writers yeah. and artists to kind of go do their own thing. This is not the first time we've seen this happen. I mean, Marguerite Bennett's a perfect example. She went over and did uh, Sleepy Hollow comic. Yep. I think it was uh, Boom Studios published that. So she she was on that, and she's been on other books, too. And, I mean, we've, see, we've seen Gail, Gail Simone do it in the past. Yep. I mean, we've seen a lot of writers and artists do this. So I, I'm wondering if our buddy Chad Harden's going to be announced as one of the artists. I don't know. When this all comes out, because he works on Harley Quinn with Palmiotti and Connor. So, hey, maybe he frees up his time for that. But the fact that they were able to get these writers, who wouldn't want to work with these people? Yeah. So it's almost like you've got your pick of the litter of artists now. And I'm just saying, uh, Aftershock, guys, if you're listening, our buddy Ron Mars is looking for a gig. Yeah. Witchblade is ending. So uh, I'm not saying he's looking for a gig. He might already have one. I don't know. I have no personal well, knowledge. Well, remember, but... he's Ron Mars. Yeah, he is <laughs> Ron Mars. So I'm just saying, if you're looking for an experienced writer who's loyal, I'm just saying, give Re- give Ron Mars a call. The reason why I said he's Ron Mars is because there's, Ron Mars is a friend of ours. And it's funny. There's an inside joke the three of us have, so that's why we said the whole Listen to the interview Mars. from Tidewater Comic Con. You'll you'll know the inside joke. You could be part of it. Go back to Tidewater Comic Con, episode 61, I think it was. Yeah. The, the interview's right there. Listen to it for yourself. You'll get it. But again, my questions are, you know, again, you know, we think we'll see more people do that, leave Marvel and DC and start their own companies. And also, again, how much do you think it's due to creative freedom and other people just want to say, hey, I want to create new characters and they're not letting me do it over at the big two? I think you can't create new characters over there. I think you can create secondary characters. You can't be Jerry Conway and, can, and create like 700 characters. <laughs> right. So um, Man on bench, number yeah. one. So, I mean, yeah, you can create secondary characters, but main characters, you can't create Batman because Batman's already there. You've already got known entities. So, yeah, this is a chance to kind of stretch your creative muscles. We've talked about this on the show before where... You know, we love the capes, but at some point you got to put the capes down and you've got to read something different just to kind of level off your pull. So that's what this is. Can you imagine Alfred going to Batman, Mr. Wayne, I love you, but put the cowl down. You've had too much justice for one night. Yes, that that, that would definitely happen. Like just, like just a Hulk's Anonymous. Don't you notice anonymous? that Alfred's always trying to get him to eat? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's constantly trying to get him to eat. Which is, which my, is only, my only flaw is justice, Alfred. And, and I totally get it, but at the same time, it's like, Alfred, really? Yeah. Well, I mean, they like popcorn in movies, too. Don't forget, you watch Gotham. Yeah. Young age, he gets into the popcorn. He's very serious <laughs> yeah, about it, too. He's very serious about the popcorn. Bruce wants his popcorn a certain way. Exactly. Uh, just like he wants his women a certain way. Oh. Oh. Well, the ones that stay, which they don't. Yeah. <laughs> they all die. But anyways, <laughs> wow, we just, wanted to, we just wanted, like, from, yay, Back to the Future to Bruce Wayne's, pretty much everybody he touches is dead. Yeah, that's that's a transition. That's a hell of a transition, but... Staying within the indie realm, Image Expo, of course, was last week, and several new titles were being announced. Some of them, of course, include Jason Aaron, uh, Greg Rucka, Gail Simone, Brian Lee, O'Malley, and more. Uh, There's a whole laundry list of comics. I'm going to read them off, actually all of them off, because I think everybody deserves to have their stuff read off. Uh, Start with Mark Millar and Raphael Albuquerque's Huck, Robert Kirkman, Ryan Otley, Cliff Rathburn, and Jean-Francois Belliot's Invincible Reboot. Anthony Johnston and Sherry uh, Chakahama's codename Babushka. 
Oh, Bubby. Uh, Warren Ellis and Tula Lowe's Heartless. Steven T. Siegel. I almost thought that said Steven Seagal. Uh, and Jason Katzenstein's Camp Midnight. That would be the slap fight comic. <laughs> it'd be, it'd just, every page is him running like a, like just flailing. With, like with, his, with his back straight up and his arms kind of like, like T-Rex. T-Rex arms yeah. inside. Yeah. Uh, Joe Keatage and Nick Barber's Ringside. Jimmy Robinson and Richard Pace's Expired, which I'm actually very excited about. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. Uh, Kalen Kittridge and Steven Sanders' Throwaways. Yes, folks, there's more. Holy shit, there's a lot of throw away the page. Yes, uh, Shane Davis and Michelle Delecky's Accent. Brian Haverlin, Skip Brittenham's Faster Than Light. Kyle Higgins, Alex Siegel, and Rod Reese's Hadrian's Wall. Simon Spurrier and Ryan Kelly's Cry Havoc. Steve Orlando and J.D. Face, Virgil. Which, oh, I saw Virgil. It's about a former cop that got burned. I thought it was about the wrestler Virgil. (laughs) And his, like, lowly self at Comic-Cons. Because the million dollar man always gets his way. <laughs> yes. Uh, China Clarkson Flores actually has two comics coming out. She's Blue Monday and Scooter Girl. Ronald Wimberley's Sunset Park and White Coal. Car Andrews, The 1%. Greg Rucka and Nicola Scott's Black Magic, which looks pretty cool too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jason Aaron and Arm Guerra's The Goddamn. Batman. <laughs> When you say that, you have to say Batman at the, the goddamn end. Goddamn Batman. Yeah, so. Uh, Gail Simone and Cat Staggs is Crosswind. Brian K. Vaughn and Marcos Martin's The Walking Dead digital comic. And Brian K. Vaughn and Marcos Martin's uh, other book as well, uh, The Private Eye. Uh, that's coming out in hardcover. And uh, one more <laughs> title. Yeah, there's like three pages of titles here. Uh, Brian Leo Malley and Leslie Hung Snot Girl. Brought to you by Claritin. And Kleenex. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it seems like a, Snot Girl got the most reaction from the world abound on Twitter. Yeah. So I, I'm not really sure exactly what that is. I will say that I'm really excited for Hawk, actually, because Mark Millar did such a fantastic job with Chrononauts. It was Probably my favorite run of the year so far yeah. is Chrononauts. And Raphael Albuquerque, despite all the controversy with the Batgirl cover, is a fantastic artist. Yeah. And he's going to draw a lot of attention to this book. So to see them work together has me excited. To see Gail Simone pick up with oh, Image, uh, yeah. that makes me excited. Robert Kirkman doing another title. He's proven with Outcast that he's not just about The Walking Dead. So those were three that kind of stood out to me right off the bat. Uh, yeah, so I want to go back to Expired. And Expired is going to be a five-issue supernatural crime series. And it's pretty much about, this is what's cool. It's about a homeless war vet who ends up helping a ghost who is connected to an old coin-operated parking meter. So the only way he can see him uh, and communicate with her uh, as long, is as long as he feeds the meter. It's like the lake house with parking meters. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if any of the characters so, look like Sandra Bullock and Keanu Reeves. On the, the only line. way he can see the ghost is, of course, if he uh, feeds the meter and that's how long she's alive. As long Does anybody have a quarter? I need to talk to my friend. <laughs> It's like a pay f- <laughs> But I like you brought that up uh, because he actually has to solve a murder before the city replaces all the meters with modern versions. Oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, and before the killer finds him. I went to 7-Eleven the other day and then an empty payphone show. <laughs> that made me think of that, too. It's like, really? Good Lord. So, yeah, what do they do by issue five? Is it over? Well, the I mean, is, uh, well here's the problem, though. It's like, is it just because, because when I say modern parking meters, you still have to put fucking coins in them. <laughs> I know, exactly. So, I mean, is it really a big, I mean, I'm still going to read it, but maybe it's because it was an old school parking meter and you have to turn the knob in order to see, you know, it's, 
Oh my oh, god. I put in a dime instead of a quarter. Damn it! I only got ten minutes. The dime was going to give me ten. I put a nickel. Wait, on. I didn't solve the crime in time. I need to run back and put another <laughs> quarter in. Uh, but it's kind of like, it's so great. Like this, and the, and the cover looks looks amazing too. It's just pretty much just this ghost, this girl, and she has a, uh, it's pretty much the meter, I believe, actually, from what it looks like, is around her neck. Yeah. And so they had to put the coins into her neck. So it's kind of like. <laughs> you know what also. It's, I'm, I'm sorry, this is going to be fucked up, what I'm about to say. Uh, but then again, what is it? It's going to be kind of like those people that actually have to use the electric things for their throat. Oh. They smoke too much. So it's yeah. kind of like he has to do that, but with quarters. It's sad and tragic <laughs> at the same time. It's so fucked up, it's true. It's it's almost like that. Remember Big with Tom Hanks? <laughs> yeah. The Zoltar machine? Yeah. They had to eat the coin in order to spit out the card kind yep. of thing? Yeah, kind of like that, too. Oh, God, but I'm so It does sound this. very cool. I mean, we kid, but it, it does sound very cool. Yeah. I mean, it's Image. They were just named the coolest comic book company by, I think it was People Magazine or Time Magazine, something like that. And... Hey, they just keep proving themselves over and over that they are playing with the big boys right now. Exactly. So, I mean, it's kind of hard to argue with what, what Image has got in store. So, I'm sure... And I like the fact that they did their own thing. Remember how we said that Marvel should kind of do their own thing? Right. And have their own event? Right. Well, Image has said, screw it, and they've been doing it for a while now. So, it's like, why not just do it? We're Image, and this is what we do. Yeah, and speaking of a company that a lot of people, like especially you, because you are the DC worshiper... Uh, it's, of course, DC Comics. And beginning in early 2016, they are actually kind of going maybe the indie route. They're going to be doing uh, some more six-issue miniseries. And they're going to do it with some, by reintroducing some old favorites back into the DC universe. And they reposition them for the future. And it's going to be, of course, with the help of the original creators, which is pretty awesome yeah. as well. And it's something that I think that we're going to see with these heroes that they're going to do and these characters. We haven't seen anything expanded upon with them. And some of them aren't all heroes. I mean, we're going to get a Poison Ivy book. We've got the Metal Man coming out. We've also got Raven that's going to be coming out. Jerry Conway is going to be doing Firestorm again. <laughs> uh, we've also got Katana, who's going to actually kind of go away from the Outsiders a little bit and get her own book. I think we've got a Swamp Thing book as well. So, I mean, there's a lot to be excited about. And I think that that's a good point in that DC, I think, has kind of taken a step back, especially when they announced DCU. And they've looked at what everybody else is doing. They're like, okay, so we're still not beating Marvel. What's working for everybody else? And what's working is these limited series runs by other companies. So they're like, you know what? What the hell? Let's put these out. We'll see what sticks. Maybe one, two, or three of these stick. And, of course, if they do, they're not going to not do any more afterwards. Yeah, I up, well, yeah, I want to bring up the Poison Ivy comic. I want to go back to our interview with our friend, Abby Darkstar. And here's the thing. She said she loves Poison Ivy because she's smart. You know, she's a strong female character. She's smart. She has brains and beauty and everything else. Yeah. I mean, if you played, you know, Arkham Knight, which I have, and beaten it, Poison Ivy plays a critical role in the game. And we're seeing this big um, thing where, you know, a lot of people are starting to cosplay as Poison Ivy more. And she's become pretty much, if you think about it, not she's, she's become, okay, Harley's number one. I think between her and Catwoman, it's a close two right now. It really is close, especially since they've brought Poison Ivy into the Harley Quinn world. And don't forget, an interview that uh, Palmiotti and Connor They're just lovers. did. That, yeah, there's a little bit of a bisexual thing going on there, maybe pansexual, whatever you want to call it. There's a relationship there, and it's partially because Harley's a little bit unbalanced. But, I mean, and we'll be exploring that coming up in the future. I don't know if that's going to tie into this book at all, but Gail Simone posted something on Twitter last week. Where she said, and this was before this news came out, she said, if you could give a character that doesn't really get spotlighted their own comic, who would it be? 
The majority of the people apparently answered Poison Ivy, so they're getting their wish. I actually, Raven was one of mine. Yeah. I would read the hell out of a Raven comic, and now I'm glad I get a chance to with Marv Wolfman that's going to be attached to that. I'm excited about Swamp Thing. I love Swamp well, Thing. Well, you've been a big fan of Swamp Thing. I'm a big fan of Swamp that Thing. Line. I love, you know, I love, I'm a big horror fan. I love the old school new lines and stuff like that. Swamp Thing was one of my favorite characters. And so. remember, another friend of the show, Nancy Collins, was actually a writer for Swamp Thing yep. for a while as well, so. Yep, and so, I mean, that's, that's the thing, is that, you know, you look at these comics, and DC's kind of going, hey, these miniseries are working out. Let's try it with this. And again, just because they're mini series doesn't mean they're going to go away forever. If no. there's something that works, nobody's ever going to go away from something that works. So if Poison Ivy sells like gangbusters, you can bet the DC's going to keep going. Remember, go back to last week with the interview with Chad Hart, and he flat out said, DC did not think this Harley Quinn comic was going to sell, and now look at it. Okay, so that's going to do it for our comic book talk right now, as far as news goes, because there's a story that... It happened over the weekend, and they got a lot of press coverage, a lot of press coverage on social media, and everybody's blowing up about it. And before we dive into it, I want to talk about con etiquette, James. Yeah. Uh, because we know STCC is tomorrow, technically today. Um, and here's the thing. is With con etiquette, of course, you know, when it comes to cosplay, cosplay does not equal consent. Right. Don't be a douche, <laughs> you know, pretty much. Um, just enjoy yourself. Have fun. Abby, you know, Darkstar gave her... Uh, her what, five or whatever tips to I think it was five to yeah. survive Comic Con and everything, which is really really great. So props to her on that. Um, but when it comes to con etiquette, especially when you're an exhibitor, you don't rain on somebody's parade and you no. don't act like you're the big shit. Because we've been the cons before where we've seen somebody we're not gonna name names, but they think that they're the big shit. Turns out nobody goes to their table and stuff like that. And of course, the person we're talking about is the douchebag by the name of Arthur Sudiam. Yeah, and he is the cover artist, by the way, for Marvel Zombies. And I'm, I know that he's done some other stuff too, but there was a huge controversy where he was at Montreal Comic-Con. And apparently, this guy needs four tables for his stuff. Yeah. And apparently, he just decided he was going to take tables that were already assigned to other artists. I believe it was three other artists. It's three other artists. Uh, Jim Zub was actually, uh, I think he was across from him. He actually brought attention to this via Twitter. Uh, he pretty much put up on, he tweeted, he goes to the big name creator who took four with an exclamation point, artist alley table spaces, forcing other people from their assigned spot. You are human garbage. Now, here's the thing, too, is we know that there was a assigned spot, and we'll get into his uh, uh, Sweet Dam's uh, rebuttal in a second because it pretty much goes against everything that people have shown is that they had placards. They had names of people whose tables they were on. Like, they, like for us... If you've been to a con, you know how it goes. Yeah, okay? you know how it goes. Where you, If you're an exhibitor, your name, you have, for the most part, a little placard that has your name on it. So people know it's your table. They can't take it. And there are, there are flyers that are printed out. There's maps for the cons to tell you, you want to go see this person? Go to this table. That's where they're going to be. If you go on social media right now to anybody you know is going to be at SDCC, there's going to be a little picture, either their cover photo or their profile picture that's going to tell you what table number they're at so you can go find them because it's just smart business. When we were at Tidewater Comic Con, we told you what table number we were going to be weeks in advance right. so when you came there, you would know where to find and us. And here's the thing. Is I think he's a piece of shit. And, you know, here's the thing is that I was talking to somebody on Twitter about this because this person was saying, you know, I don't understand all the, the quote-unquote bullying he's getting. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. First of all, we got to realize something. There's a difference between bullying and standing up for somebody. Like, you know, 
the nerd community as well as the artist community were all one thing. We don't like seeing people get taken advantage of right. by anybody. And bullying would be as if uh, somebody didn't do something. Like, if you, for example, bullying would be if you weren't doing something, like you're just sitting there minding your own business, and somebody came on and started making fun of you for no apparent reason. No, you know what bullying is? Bullying is showing up to a con early, finding out that you want a space, moving people's shit, and taking their space. Yeah. That's bullying. That's bullying. You want to talk about bullying, and you think you're the big shot, and you think you could just push around the little guy? What the hell does that sound like to you? Well, here's the thing, too, is that and I brought up with him, too. He says, why is it such a big deal? I said, here's the thing why it's such a big fucking deal. You have these artists and exhibitors like us who pay hundreds of dollars, even our sponsors. Sometimes thousands, depending on the con, honestly. Yeah, or even, or even sponsors pay hundreds, if not thousands of dollars for a certain amount of tables at cons. And then you spend X amount of weeks finding out where you are. So you end up like us promoting it, like Bob or Fantascape promoting where he's going to be. Then you get to the con and some douchebag takes your shit and says, I need this space, even though you paid for it, and then they move, instead of the con, because the con's at fault too, I want to make that fucking clear right now, for enabling him, instead of saying, no, dickhead, instead of using the agreed one table that you purchased, we're going to keep these people where they're supposed to be, and we're not going to have to move them around, thus creating a mix-up with the map, and that way, for example, for example, we're friends with, like, Drew Moss and Matt Slay, you know, and some awesome artists. Can you imagine him coming there and taking over Matt's table? Matt has to be moved, and Matt loses commissions because nobody knows they're tweeting Matt or they're Facebooking Matt. Face, Facebooking face <laughs> Matt. I'm not sure Matt would appreciate that. <laughs> uh, Facebooking Matt, where are you? I don't know where you are. Da, da. And you can't check your Facebook while you're in yeah. a like that. You just can't. Shitty SDCC is notorious. Notorious for having bad cell reception. It's a huge arena. Uh, huge arenas have that problem. Here's the deal. I mean, who the hell do you think you are, man? I'll be honest. I'll be cards on the table. I had no idea who the hell this guy was yeah. until this story happened. So I don't know who you think you are, why you think you need four tables when you are a one-trick fucking pony, okay? You can only draw zombies or zombie-themed characters that you didn't even create in the... Sorry. I don't know who you think you are or why you think you're able to just move people's shit out of the way, but... Somebody needs to knock you down a few pegs. And I think your fellow creatives, creators like Ray Fox has commented on this and said he's seen him do this before. Yes. That's right from Twitter. Ron Mars has come. There's so many people that want to take your shit and throw it out in the street and basically light it on fire that it's not even funny. Exactly. And that's the thing, too, is like these people are doing these things. Uh, I'm sorry. You know, how about this? If if he did this, if we had a table there and he took over, I would literally take his shit. I wouldn't throw it because it's one of those things where if you break it, you bought it. I would take it. I would move. Be like, what the fuck is this? I can tell you. And, right I would, now. and if and if the con people came to me and said, "Oh, we gotta move you," fuck you. I paid for this goddamn spot. I'm sitting at this spot. This dickhead is gonna be removed, or we have a fucking problem. So here here's the thing. When Douchnob actually did respond to this. He said that the con changed, and we're going to read the whole thing. Oh, I, I, I want to read his word for fucking I word. I want to touch on this before we do that. He said that the con changed the floor plan at the last minute. Bullshit. Bullshit. Okay? I'm calling bullshit because you don't spend hundreds, even thousands of dollars printing out all of these maps 
for people to find out where your artist or writer or whoever you want to see is going to be. Or fellow podcasters. And then change it the night before the con, not tell some of the creators that, creators that are supposed to be moved, and have to print new maps. You're not going to spend that much money at the last minute because some douchehole who thinks he's bigger than everybody else needs extra tables. Mike no. Federale would not do that. No, you he know, would for, not. You know, There's no way. He wouldn't do that. No con promoter would do that. So Having what, to move somebody is one thing, but it's got to be of their own accord. Because you if you've never been an exhibitor at a con, you pay for your spot yeah. just as much as you do for your table, okay? To be in a good spot... You pay extra. It's just like a sporting event. You want to sit in a better seat? You want to sit in the 50-yard line? You're going to pay more. Exactly. So here's what uh, Asshat said in response. He goes, the Montreal, quote, and this is a full thing, quote, the Montreal show changed its floor plan Thursday, the day before the show. However, they didn't send our notification, and only the five American artists at setup time on Thursday night knew of the table placement floor plan change. The next day at showtime, the Canadian artists unfortunately began hearing from a singular troublemaking fan artist who wasn't there at setup who began spreading fabrications to the artists and online that the American artists at the row end were taking their tables, and he puts in parentheses, and guess then the low IQ online crowds, too lazy to check facts, more interested to turn simple misunderstandings into opportunity to create some trouble, jumped in. The show promoters have since come out and corroborate these facts. I researched this. No, they fucking did not. I did not find one thing, not on, not on the Montreal Comic Con website or Google or anything about how they changed floor plans. Fuck you, Sweetum. Fuck you. I'm going to need a minute. Okay. There was something in that that really rubbed me the wrong way. First of all, I don't get his patriotism and separating country by country, but that's another issue. When he said fan artist and the whole thing about nobody going to their table, you arrogant prick. I think we know a lot of people in the artist industry pretty well. And I can tell you right now from our personal experience that every artist we've ever met, whether they work for DC or they have their own published book, they all treat each other with the utmost respect at cons at any events they go to, you can not like somebody's work, but when you are in a community, you treat them with absolute respect because there was a time in every artist's career where they were that new guy or they were that person just starting out or they were that person that were just selling commissions because they didn't have a book. So for you to come out there and say that makes you the ultimate son of a bitch and makes me wonder if anybody is ever going to want to work with this guy again. Go back to our Chad Harden view last week, right, when he said... I was working on these other books, and Harley just took my career and just kicked it into high gear. Yeah, it told. It said it took thirty years. Yeah, for me to get noticed. This guy, I has how well does Marvel Zombies even sell? I don't even know. I'm just going to be honest right now. I don't even know how much it even sells. But here's the deal. Here's what this guy needs to realize: once this zombie bubble bursts, and we're close. This guy is not going to be able to draw I want to bring anything. Up something. I want to bring up something, too. This guy talked about this guy who didn't have ta- people at his tables all weekend. Yeah, motherfucker, you're the same guy who at the same con got busted for photoshopping a big-ass line and grew people in front of your table. So go fuck yourself. I'm sorry, but I don't see how you ever allow this guy at another con. And, here's the th- and that's my point. Shame on Montreal Comic Con for allowing this to happen and enabling it. And also, one thing about this response on 
the site that I found these this this uh, response on, there was a little update at the top of the page, and it said that the statement has been since removed from many articles and was removed at the quest request of this, his booking agent and the Montreal Comic Con. Let me repeat that: the Montreal fucking Comic Con had. These websites, these very credible media comic book websites, tear down their statement that they posted because a they said it's not was it wasn't meant for publication. Even though they sent it to reporters, they sent it to public people. It made public appearances in in different forums. Shut up. I'm never going to this Montreal Con because you sons of bitches don't stand behind people who pay for your tables. You only cower to people who are bullies. That's what this guy is. He's a bully who should not be allowed at other cons. He should be fired from Marvel. If I'm Marvel, I'm pissed because this is who I want representing my bad fucking press, brand. man. It's bad press. I don't think he could ever get another job. If I honestly, if I'm a con person that has a con, if I'm a Mike Federale type, I'm not bringing him to my con, because all he does is cause controversy, especially with this. A lot of people were saying it's not the first time he's done this, yeah. and now that it's out, this is why I hate social media for a lot of reasons, but this is the one way I say I love social media, because now this guy cannot run, nope. he cannot hide, he cannot pull this shit anymore without somebody getting pissed at him, and I swear to God, if we're ever at a con... And he's somehow there. We don't know about it. And he's there. And he... I dare this motherfucker to do something to our table if we ever have something near him. Yeah, try and take over our table and see what happens. You think we we're just a small-time podcast? You try and put your shit on my table and see where it ends Not up. Not only that, because we have friends who are artists and writers in the industry who would back us up. We have our angry fat guy who all we got to do is just say, go, and he'll, ta- and he'll go. And we got our fans who will stand up for us. And that's the thing. I love. I will his... sit on your shit on the, on our table and do our show. Yeah. I will literally put my ass on your shit. Exactly. And here's the thing too: is I'm so glad these artists and everybody in your community is standing up and saying, you know, screw this guy. He's not doing this again. You know, again, you just screwed yourself out of everything, dude. You're so... in the industry. You're saying writers too are sticking up for people. Yeah. And that's why. Because what's he really bringing to the table? other than a gimmick book that's only being sold because the zombie craze is popular right now. Exactly. And the last thing I want to say about this, because this guy really is making my blood boil the more I talk about him. Um, I, a con guy that... No, it's just... A, I don't think there's going to be one con promoter that says, I got to have this guy in my show. He just burned I don't so know many why. bridges. I don't know why they had him at this show in the first place. Yeah. Quite frankly. I mean, I, I don't know what this guy's done. Well, again, I, I want to say this to, to the conference. As much as I, I we were, were Aaron Grievances at Montreal Comic Con, this goes to all con promoters out there, or people who even want to start a con. Don't let this happen. No, do not let... I don't care who it is, okay? If this was somebody to the level of Greg Capullo, I'd be saying the same thing, okay? Yeah. And, and I'm, Greg Capullo would never do this. No. Because there are so many people in this industry that have respect for their colleagues that would not do this. And this is a smack in the face 
to the people that are supposed to be your colleagues. So what this guy is basically saying is he's better than everybody else. Well, he's not. That he should take priority over everybody else. I have, ne- I have not been to a million cons, but I can't imagine somebody needing four tables. Well, it's not just Comic Con. It's any convention. You go to any convention. Nobody needs four tables. You're ruining things. your convention because every extra artist table this guy takes up is one more artist you can't have at your con. You've got no diversity. Look at Heroes Con in Charlotte. Look at all the creators that they're able to bring to that space. And it's not a huge space. Look at all the creators they're able to bring to that space because everybody's respectful. Everybody only needs one, two tables probably max to fit themselves in. I saw pictures tweeted out from San Diego Comic-Con already for preview day. Yep, so did I. And I'm trying to think, I think it was Boom Studios that tweeted it out, where you've got people like Tryon and stuff like that. And what they have, one table with a little placard with their name on it. Here's who I am in case you don't already know. I'll sign your books for you. Here's your stuff that you can get from me, just like every other artist and writer has. One table. If people like this that are names in this business only need one table, some guy with a gimmick book and prints that all look the friggin' same doesn't need four tables. And before we move on to see pre-show talk, the last thing I want to close with this is, and again, this goes out to the con promoters. I'm done talking about Sweet Am. I'm done. That's what we said about the bottom. Yeah, it's all, we said we, all we needed to say. But to the con promoters, all it takes is one promoter, one of you guys or girls, to say no. This is not happening. Enough. Enough. Enough is enough. And and somebody needs to send a message because if you don't, this kind of stuff's going to keep happening. Yeah. And it's going to be a, well, why not me? Because if you're going to let this prick get away with it, who's almost a nobody, then what's to stop somebody that's that thinks that they're better from saying, well, if this is how things go now. Again, we were at, we were at Taiwan Comic Con uh, in May. And the thing about that is, Again, we met Ron Mars there, who's a you know a friend of ours now, and you know Matt Slay and Drew Moss at our first con, you know one of our first Tower cons. We met them there. Everybody has one table, just different varieties. Riley Brown, our friend Riley Brown, had one table. Ethan Van Shriver, one table, had one folding table and two chairs. Yeah, at the first Tidewater Comic Con. Come on, give me a break. This guy does not need this space. So we're going to move on from this asshole. Yeah. Because we got more important things to talk about, and that's San Diego Comic-Con, which we have some big news actually about San Diego Comic-Con itself. It's sticking around. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of talk about it, maybe moving to Anaheim or other or Los Angeles, maybe L.A. Live area, because they want, you know, they want to get the expansion on the convention center, but they're saying no. And I can understand why, because you know, we talked about it before, but when is it really used? It's mostly used for SDCC. Granted, it generates a lot of revenue for the city, but again, it's only one thing a year. And honestly, where are you going to expand? Right. There's not a whole lot of room. Right. Okay? Um, but, you know, it's staying at the San Diego Convention Center. It's going to be still San Diego Comic-Con through 2018, so that's actually a good thing. They're kind of billing themselves as San Diego Comic-Con International now, so I guess maybe we should get that right. But whatever you want to call yourselves, you're sticking around in San Diego. I think it's a smart move. Why move now? Doesn't seem like it makes a whole lot of sense to move, so I'm glad that they're staying. It's just, it's in the air. Yeah. And it feels like it's in the air more than last year. I don't know why that is exactly. But, and it's funny because Marvel's not going to be there. Sony's not going to be there. Well, Marvel pictures aren't going to be there. But look at what you do have. You've got... DC, who's got better going to play a big role? DC, I think, is going to be the the like how Xbox was E3, 
DC is going to be that 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 group. It's, it's going to well, be DC. They've gonna be got the main talk. so much. Yeah, they've got so much going on. And I'm going to call this right now, as far as Supergirl is concerned. I'm going to single Supergirl for a second. Melissa Benoist is going to be that crush that all the boys from this generation yep. are going to have. I'm telling you right now. She's gonna be it, girl. She's gonna, she's gonna be the pink ranger. She's gonna for this be the generation. pink ranger for this generation, and I, I think that that's 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 important. You know, that's the thing. You know, whether you're you know if you're a girl, you know, there's a certain guy like, hey, there's a guy I like from this show in the '90s. It's gonna be this person. It's a generational thing. There's always somebody like that like that. And most noise And here's the reason why. Glee. She was on Glee. So she had that young following. Yep. So of course you're gonna get those teenage boys or younger boys around ten. Just saying. Fall in love with her. Just saying. And she's adorable. Like she I'm, is. <laughs> she's seen her in the costume. She's amazing. There's no way around it. And I'm pretty sure you're going to get to see the screening of the Supergirl pilot at, yeah. at, at Comic-Con this year. How does DC not win? I mean, they're, they're going to win by default. Yeah, and also, I mean, here's the thing, too. It, it, a lot of big things are, are happening. Of course, quickly, one brief one was uh, Cameron Moynihan tweeted the, or he Instagrammed the photo of him, you know, Allude to maybe he is the Joker. We don't know. Looks pretty damn close Looks to pretty me. Pretty damn close. Um, we're also going to get, of course, the Flash TV show. We're going to get who's the main villain going to be for season two. And we have ideas. We have some ideas. And Suicide Squad. There's, you know, Jared Leto's in character 24 7 as Joker. Will we get that Loki moment where Leto comes on stage in full costume and in? Acting as a as the Joker. Are we going to get our Deadpool moment? Are we going to see Ryan yeah. Reynolds as Deadpool at Comic Con? Because you saw that picture that he tweeted out, Comic Con or bust, yep. kind of thing. So are we going to see that? And of course, the story that came out about how it's not going to be schizophrenic yeah. in the movie. So we'll find out more information. I about think that. I think we'll see Ryan Reynolds walking around in a Deadpool costume, kind of like was it John Boyega walked around in a Stormtrooper outfit? I yeah, it was. and nobody knew who the hell he nobody was. Nobody knew who the hell he was. Um, I know some people are probably screaming, saying, you said DC is going to win by default. What about Star Wars? Okay, how much are they really going to be able to show, though? Look yeah. at the, vo- the sheer volume of what DC has to show for the entertainment slate. There's no way that Disney and Star Wars and Lucasfilms can show that much. They can announce stuff, sure, yeah. but they're not going to be able to show enough to keep up with your sheer volume now comics wise this could be the year of the small publisher yeah at, at san diego comic-con we're seeing a lot of announcements boom studios made 10 huge announcements they've got michael keaton involved in one of their film projects it's going to be coming out now i mean everybody's moving up the ladder everybody's moving up the ladder and stepping up their game and i think that's fantastic we did this a show last year this around this time it's actually the week after we did a san diego comic-con episode about where have the comics gone? You know, Will Wheaton had that tweet about, you know, you go to cons now, it's all more about the movies and TV shows than it's about the actual comics. This is the year, I think, especially after with Image had their own convention, and now you got Aftershock and everything else. This is going to be the year, I think, that the comics really do make a strong comeback. Because as much as we've been, we bash Marvel about the rebooting and stuff like that, their stuff... They're still number one, so people are still going to get excited about and it. And they've got 45 new titles to talk about. Yeah. So, I mean, in, in a way, yeah, focus on that. Because film stuff, what are you really going to focus on? TV stuff, you're going to really focus on 
Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that much? No. Probably not. I mean, I know they're going to do Secret Warriors coming Agent up Carter. on Season 3. Agent Carter. I mean, you got to talk about Daredevil a little. I'm sure Jessica Jones, maybe we'll see a little piece of that. They might maybe air Jessica Jones. I don't know if it's done filming or not. I mean, well, I'm, I'm sure the pilot is yeah, done. Yeah, they'll probably maybe show the pilot. So maybe they do that. And I mean, I'm sure there'll be stuff about Luke Cage. There's a little bit of a controversy of where they're going to go with Iron Fist. So maybe we get a little bit of a, a detail on that. So there's stuff that we're going to get from Marvel. It's just not going to be like it was last year because they don't have as much to talk about. And even then, last year, Age of Ultron was their big, big reveal. Big big reveal, yeah. Um, I think that when you look at SDCC, again, I think we're going to get a, a Deadpool teaser trailer. I think we're going to get something like that along the lines. I think we'll get Suicide Squad teaser. I think we'll finally get a full for uh, Batman versus Superman Dawn of Justice. Maybe we see some other people show up in costume, too. Maybe if I'm DC yeah. this year, this is a blood-in-the-water moment for oh, me. Oh, yeah. I would look at this and seeing everybody that's not coming, and I would go balls to the walls and make it the biggest show Hall H has ever seen. Yeah. I would give them such a show that they will not forget now it into next year. Now, here's my only problem with SCCC. I wish this was something they should learn from other conventions. Uh, I understand that they're going to be showing, more than likely they're going to be showing pilots of certain shows. I understand that. So you can't see that because, of course, for pirating reasons. However, could you at least have a live feed of the panels? Yeah, give us the panels. I don't. E3 does it perfectly. E3 is the shining example of what the panel should be. You don't have to show us the full episode of Supergirl, okay? Yeah. Even though they kind of already did. Um, <laughs> you don't have to show us the full episode. Cut away. Yeah. You can cut away. I understand. You, when the PC Gaming Show is doing their live feed from Twitch, what did they do? They put up a thing saying, the PC Gaming Show will be starting in 30 minutes. Put up a little something saying, Supergirl Pilot currently being aired will be back with the panel in... 60 yeah. minutes, 40 minutes, whatever. Do that. We'll wait. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. We just want to see all the other stuff. And they'll probably want to show trailers, just like E3. They showed the gaming trailers, some gameplay stuff. So give us that. We don't need everything. Yeah. But give us something. Yeah. And that's the thing. is like, And the thing is, people are saying, well, maybe people won't go. Bullshit. Yes, they will. They because will. they do. They sold out in like what? Well, they sold out tickets in what? Like less than a half hour? E3 is packed, okay? No, I'm saying for SDCC, no, they sold but, out tickets but, less than a half but hour. But again, E3 is my point. Oh, yeah. They live streamed it. Those, st- those studios were packed for yeah. Sony. They were packed for Microsoft. People are going to go. People want that experience. It's like saying that. And I hate bringing up sports all the time. It's the NFL blackout rule all over again. Yeah. You're saying, well, if you don't put a blackout rule in place, people are going to stop going to games. No. People will never stop going to sporting events. It's free on television, yes. People will never stop going because you want that experience of being there. Who would... You, you mean to tell me that if Jared Leto walks out on stage as the Joker at San Diego Comic-Con, you don't want to be the guy that's going to want to say, dude, I was there yeah, right? when Leto walked out and I got chills. Yeah. You're still going to get chills seeing it at a live feed, but not if you're staring it right in the face. It's totally different. Exactly. So before we wrap, I want to say this. What's the one thing that if you don't see at San Diego, or maybe even hear about happening, uh, what would it be that would disappoint you the most? If I don't get a full trailer for Batman vs. Superman Dawn of Justice, I, I don't know why they wouldn't do that. Also, I'll throw this in there as well. If we don't get some sort of update on 
if we don't get some sort of update on The Force Awakens, if we're not going to get a, another a different trailer for that as well, I think that'll be a disappointment. Um, before I, I give my one well, disappointment, I was actually I was scrolling through Facebook right now, and uh, a story caught my eye. Comic-Con International, San Diego Comic-Con International, voted more important than the Chargers in the San Diego poll. And, and for people that live in San Diego, that that's all you need to know. Yeah. That your Chargers aren't as important. And the San Diego Chargers, not to, again, do sports talk, are probably going to end up in Los Angeles themselves in a couple of years anyway. <laughs> so <laughs> well, that's, the thing, like, that's the thing about you, too, is, like, you know how big the nerd community is in San Diego when the only show in town that is the Chargers, pretty much, and the Padres, and the Padres. Got baseball. But let's be honest, though. Yeah. Well. I mean, if we're being honest with ourselves, um, <laughs> uh, I do love Matt Kemp. He's a great. I love. I watched him play when I was in LA, and it was great. Go Dodgers! But anyways, uh, no, I think that you know that show shows the importance of it in general and why it needs to stay in San Diego. It's a multi-million-dollar, billion-dollar well, entity. Like, I don't want to turn this into sports talk, but it's kind of like you know, I live in Syracuse, and when the Jets would come to Cortland. There's so much revenue that just that little town that was made. So that's what San Diego does for the city well, of San the, Diego. Well, the city of Richmond knocked itself over to get the Washington Redskins training camp in Richmond. Yeah. By the way, we could start selling their merchandise now if we want to. Yeah, I know. It's a down and nerdy Washington Redskins <laughs> podcast. Yeah. Just start selling those T-shirts. But that's another discussion for another kind of show. Um, but for me, my most disappointing thing would be... Uh, yeah, Deadpool. I I, I think we're still going to see. Got to get something. Get something from Deadpool. I would be very disappointed if. Uh, I mean, yeah, Batman Superman trailer. Okay, I'll be very disappointed actually if not enough being more said about the comics themselves. Like you know, what I'm saying like, well, do, have the comic companies blown their load too early? Because a lot the, of them are announcing stuff before. That's my problem. I'd be very disappointed if. All this announcement from Image and Aftershock comes out now, and they're only doing it because they're afraid of DC and all the press they're gonna get. I'm afraid of that. That's my thing. Is that's my, I'd be very disappointed if these smaller indie publishers blew their load because of the fear of DC. I'm really starting to wonder if a lot of these studios tuck tail and ran because they kind of know what DC's gonna do. Yeah. I mean, is DC's presentation for their TV and movies gonna be that big that? Major players are going. You know what? We're not. We have nothing really. Well, think so. about this way. DC has great. TV, they have a lot of TV shows on the air right now. There's stuff they're getting kicked onto the air right now. Um, you know, you look at all these different properties. They're ruling the media right now. We're forgetting about stuff like Krypton that's still in yeah. development too. I mean, there's a lot of stuff we might find more information I about. I think here's the thing. I think we might get. I think we might get. A uh, little sneak peek at Legends of, of Tomorrow. Of Tomorrow, yeah. I mean, we're not even talking about that. How crazy is that? I mean, Katie Lotz tweeted a photo from yep. Comic-Con of a huge Legends of Tomorrow mural that's up yep. at the convention. So there's a lot to be excited about. The Eisner Awards, we haven't even talked about that yet. We're going to get more information Katrina on Law that. is going to be one of the yeah. presenters. Uh, congratulations to everybody who, of course, nominated for an Eisner Award, too. Congratulations to all the artists. Uh, you really do deserve it. It's an amazing award. It's a great achievement. So to... Again, this is going to be up on Friday. We're recording this on a Wednesday. So to all the people who are going to be winning the Eisner Awards, congratulations to you beforehand. And here's the deal. As we start to wrap up here, 
you're going to see a lot of posting on facebook.com slash down and nerdy at down and nerdy 757 on Twitter. You can always go to our, you can actually go to our website and have our Twitter feed and Facebook feed up at the same time. Right next to each other. Down and nerdy podcast.com. So you can actually double fist it. Our coverage of our, <laughs> of our San Diego comic con. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> If you want double penetration, <laughs> that's where you get it. Oh, your wife is probably listening to this right now saying, Jesus Christ. I'm just saying. There's, oh. They both have an entry and exit signs on them. Just, <laughs> just look at it. It's there. Oh, it's, it's right there. And there there will probably be times <laughs> where there's different stuff on Twitter than there is on Facebook. Uh, double fisting social media. So I'm just saying, it's right there. It's You're right. right there. Like you said, they're side by side. So what Two do you Two scoops of fuck yeah nerd news. Now, we also want to point out that if you've got any questions or reactions from stuff that you saw at San Diego Comic-Con, you can call our fan hotline, which is 757-512-8229. Because when we do our wrap-up of San Diego Comic-Con next week, we could actually use your questions or your reactions on the show. And actually, yes. And if you're going to be at the con... Take pictures, send them to us, us. post them on our page. Yeah. You know, we'll do what we can. Cosplays, everything. Everything. I mean, we've already started. You've seen our coverage already on Facebook. We're posting pictures of the collectibles. Yes. Uh, The Batman versus Superman Batman armored suit. We got that up there. So much stuff. We want to dive into it all. We want to make you feel like you're there. We can't be there. We want to make you feel like you're going to be there. So we're going to be all over the place covering everything. I think I'm not not doing this just to give up hope or give, you know, some feelers out there. I think within the next year or two, we're going to be in San Diego for real. I I agree. And Arthur Sudan will not be. No, he will not. And and that will be the great news. Nope. Uh, But speaking of of closing and just like I said, do what you, you know, hit us up on Facebook, facebook.com slash downnerdy. On Twitter at Donnery757. James mentioned the hotline. We also have the website, www.downnerdypodcast.com. We're legit motherfuckers. So here's the thing. Also, we're on Twitter as well. I'm at Merkle One Arm. So ask me your questions if you want or my thoughts on SDCC. Well, I'm not pulling a Jason Pierre Paul and pretty much blowing my hand up from all the typing that's going on. Yes, that, that is true. I'm at James Ace with him, and you can actually get our Twitter feeds on the About Us yep. section of our website as well, so you can double fist us while you're all over there. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Just saying. It, they're right next to each other again. So. <laughs> just, what is it with you and fisting? I, I don't know. It's just, it's they're there. I mean, if, you, if that's the kind of convenience that you're looking for, then it's right there. <laughs> poor, poor wife. I feel like we should be on Conan O'Brien's show right now. We should. We should be on the Conan O'Brien. He's broadcasting from Comic-Con, so bringing out killer whales that have escaped from the world and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. But that's going to do it for this week's show, nerds. And again, thank you for listening. And uh, like I said, just hit hit us up on social media. Stay tuned. We're going to be all day, pretty much every day. The two of us are going to be busting our ass, you know, covering this con. This is our Super Bowl. It's the Nerd Super Bowl these next few days. Nerd Hanukkah, actually. Oh, yeah, Nerd it's Hanukkah. four-day event. Four-day, four crazy nights. <laughs> That's right. Oh, God. But uh, as always, I leave you with this. Price safe comic book reading. Always back on board your comics. And fuck you, Arthur Sudam. Don't forget to turn off that lightsaber menorah. <laughs>